Okay, let's get to the word. <clears throat> Father, we love you, and we just confess that we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. And so we ask for a fresh word from you. In Jesus' name, amen. God is coming at you with these. In love. In love, God is coming at you with these. Don't be surprised. Don't be alarmed. Don't be afraid. He is coming at you with these. I want to share two little illustrations, and I want to, the question I want to ask is, what is the common thread here? Okay, common thread. Anyone enjoy the Lego movie lately? Yeah, Ben Little, what was the exact release date, actually? Well, give me a month. Okay, so, was <laughs> oh, this year? It's awesome, right. Okay, everything good. The Lego movie comes up sometime in 2014, is that accurate? Okay, so it looks like the Lego brand is very healthy. But do you know that just 10 years ago, Lego was at a place of almost bankruptcy. They hired a 30-something-year-old CEO, and what he did was he did a lot of this. Okay, Lego, they had, they were, they had blossomed to making 12,000 parts, which just complicates everything. He got them back down to just 6,000 parts. They had theme parks and computer games. He cut away their, you know, their tie to the, the theme parks and the computer games. They had, excuse me, they had hired all sorts of really hip designers, but those hip designers weren't as connected with the brand, and so um, they hired instead guys who were part of this club called the, um, what's it called, AFOL? Adult fans of Legos, right? Because these guys build really good things, and they started to hire them to design. And over the 10 years, Lego just kind of refigured out who they were at the core, and now they're healthy, they're doing Lego movies because they're back up and up. What about a relational example? What about the woman who at 35 years old, she has two kids and one on the way, and she's thanking her friend because about seven or eight years ago, her friend said, gave her this advice. And the advice was, so you're really infatuated with this young man. This guy, you know, you're both in your older 20s. This guy is funny. He's smart. He's incredibly good looking. He can get by working half time because he's so creative and and whatever, but, but he, um, he doesn't seem to be moving more than that, moving forward. And so the advice that the, this woman's friend gave was, instead of you having another conversation with him about when are you going to launch, you know, another conversation about please get out of your failure to launch, stop acting like you're in college, like we need to move forward somewhere, nothing personal against the students, I know you're, very, I know you're motivated, but just bear with me on the example here. So... The friend said, why don't you, instead of you having the nag- nagging conversation, hey, buddy, when are you, you going to grow up? Why don't you do it this way? Why don't you say, here's my standard for a man I'm going to marry. He needs to be forward-thinking. He needs to take charge. He needs to be heading somewhere financially. If you're that person, I will marry you. Sadly, the young man who's creative, smart, and really good-looking did not change and not raise up to those standards. So this woman went through a series of heartbreak. But because she could leave the relationship with heartbreak, eventually that opened up the place for her to meet another, the man who had become her husband, who was solid, was forward-thinking, could help support the family, 
And again, she was just saying, thank you, God, for this friend who helped me think that through a few years ago. Someone who let me go of the good so I could get to the best. You see the common themes here? Letting go of even what's good so we can get to what's best. Letting go of excess so we can get to the gold. Is this just a good idea or is this actually a kingdom principle? What about you? Do you want to get to the best or to the gold when it comes to kingdom impact? Or do you want to be spread out and not as effective? What does Jesus have to say to us about getting to the gold of kingdom impact? It's this question that we bring now to John 15. So as you're looking up John 15, 1 to 11, on your devices, in your Bible, let me just set the context because any time we look at something from these five chapters between John 13 and John 17, it's just a holy moment. Will you go there with me? It's Jesus with the disciples in the upper room. They've just shared the Last Supper. So what value do you think we should place on these words that John, who laid his head on Jesus' breast and was able to just receive all the heart of Jesus so well that he's able to write five chapters worth for us? Is this important stuff? These are Jesus' last words to his disciples to tell them about, here's some reality, some truth that I need to arm you with before I leave. There's a sobriety about it, and there's a wonderful upper room mystery. I mean, I, can you feel it? It's, the room's dark. There's candles. They've been hanging out. Maybe they're smelly and sweaty. They've shared the food. They're sitting real close to each other. Not everyone smells good. And Jesus has given nuggets of life. And here's the nuggets he gives. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, excuse me, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. And a great relief here. Already you're clean because the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides or remains, dwells, stays in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you believe it? If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if you abide in me, this is verse 7, and my words abide in you, this is a big thing right here, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this... My Father is glorified. How? That you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, and what a great love that was. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide, remain, dwell, stay in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, 
just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you so you can be miserable for the rest of your life and be annoyed that everyone in the world is having a lot of fun and you can't. Okay. (laughs) These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Can everybody say joy? Joy. Okay, joy. There is joy in heeding this word today. Amen? Connection with the king is everything. It seems to be what Jesus is saying. He seems to be saying that connection with him is everything. That dependence, especially deliberate, focused, chosen, like initiated by you, dependence on the Lord is what will give you life. And I'd say a corollary to that is your proper interpretation of the Father's pruning you is a, is a corollary here. That we need to understand that when we're getting pruned by the Father, it's not because He's miserable and wanting us to have a miserable time, but actually because He wants you to bear good fruit. He wants you to have maximum kingdom impact. So connection with the King is everything. Connection with the King is everything. Let's talk about fruit bearing here for a minute. Because I don't know if you noticed, and this is thanks to Dr. Bruce Wilkinson for this observation, but in verse 2, do you see the different levels of fruit bearing there are? There's no fruit. Let's see if we can get verse 2 up there. There's no fruit. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Okay, there's one level. And every branch that does bear fruit, hmm, there's where we want to be now, right? I want to bear some fruit. But look at this. Every tree, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Why? So that it can stay the same? No, so that it can bear even more fruit. God wants more maturity from you. He wants more impact from you. He wants more delightful impact from you. And that's not all. Let's, let's see if we can get verse 5 up there. And um, my apologize to Jason because he didn't know we were going to do this way. But look, there's one more level here, okay? We'll call it the highest level. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. No fruit, fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. This is God's desire for you. Let's pause here and just say, what does God mean by bearing fruit? For me, I thought it was exclusively. Growing up, I'd read this passage. Of course, as you get more familiar with my personality over time, super anxious response, like, oh no, I've got to lead everyone to Jesus right now, which is a good thing to do, as Gigi mentioned. It is good to lead people to Jesus. But I, I just, my, my um, blinders were on so such that all I thought was, oh my gosh, I've got to bear fruit. It means I just got to lead people to the Lord, and that's it. Of course, as I've grown and read more of the scripture, I've realized that that kingdom impact is a part of bearing fruit. Yes, I want to be, a, I want to be about more people getting more excited about Jesus. I want to see the lost saved. I want my kids to grow up in the fear of the Lord. I want our marriage to display God's purposes for our lives. But bearing fruit is more than just kingdom impact. It's also all the yeses to God in your heart of hearts. It's our character. It's our motives. It's the Galatians 5's fruit of the Spirit. You know, are you bearing fruit? Are you getting more loving? Are you full of more joy? Do the people around you notice that you're easier to be with because you're tender and kind and because you're accessible and because you take time to listen? This is all part of the fruit that we bear as we follow Jesus inside out, right? Kingdom impact but kingdom impact that happens because you yourself are transformed. So let's, let's be wide in our definition of fruit today. You know, the cool thing that fruit is not is it's clearly from this verse, it's not performance. 
That's the good news. Again, going back to my own anxious state, ah, I got to respond. I got to bear more fruit. See more people come to the Lord. Let me leave more tracks in bathrooms. Let me have these really anxious conversations with people next to me on the airplane where they're like, what's your problem? I'm like, uh, do you know Jesus? You know, like, I'm so uptight that obviously I'm not communicating anything of the grace of God, right? Fruit bearing is not performance. Can we read verse 3 again? And can we read verse 9? What does verse 3 say? Jesus is saying, hey, you guys are made to bear fruit. You're made for increasing levels of kingdom impact. And what's your starting point? Your starting point isn't, you better do this so I can decide who's better. Your starting point isn't, let's see who among you gets more reward. Your starting point is this, already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So let's separate our fruit bearing from identity, right? You're secure. You're loved by the Father. Your starting place is that you're enjoyed by God. And he's inviting you to bear fruit, not to prove something to him, but from the place of you're already accepted, loved, and enjoyed, clean. You're, you're provided for. Your sin is provided for. It's no longer a barrier between him and you. And let's go to verse 9. Similarly, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. How did the Father love Jesus? Do you remember those key moments at his baptism and then at the transfiguration? What did the booming voice from heaven say to Jesus? Did it say, don't mess up, son, because all the future of the world rests on you right now, and if you blow it, see you later, earth. Okay, someone's with me. Right? <laughs> did Jesus say, or did the Father say, you're okay. I'll, we'll see if you do all right. Peace. No, the Father said at the baptism and again at the transfiguration, this is my son, my beloved with whom I'm well pleased. And at the transfiguration, he adds this little piece of competence saying, listen to him. All this approval from the Father. Well, look, Jesus is saying, as the Father loved me, so I've loved you guys. You guys have all the approval from me that, that I can ever give. I love you. Now, go and bear fruit. Amen? Okay. Now, how do we get there? We go back to this. Pruning. Okay. <laughs> God is coming at you with his pruning shears. He's coming to subtract things so that he can, you can have a multiplicative impact. He needs to subtract things from your life so that a multiplicative impact can happen. I'm very sad to say that although these have been sitting in my shed for the eight months I've lived where we live, this morning is the first time I pulled them out. <laughs> and the people that that's going to affect the most this morning are my landlords, who happen to be here. Their names are Alan and Julie Vance. And I just need to tell about a visit that we had in, in August. And that visit actually um, brought incredible revelation. I don't want to overstate it, but I don't want to understate it, because after they visited, God really spoke to me about this passage. And, you know, the Vances came over. You know the Vances, kind, wonderful people. But they took a look at our yard, you know, and our shrubs in particular. And their one comment was, oh, you need to prune, <laughs> right? And, you know, this is not a surprise to Kelsey and I. We, we're aware of our negligence. But what struck me from that conversation was, you know, this is in August when we had that visit. And what struck me was, we didn't need to add more sunlight. You know, the water was doing its part. The soil was fine. The only thing 
to make these very life-giving plants be all that they needed to be was a great work of subtraction. And because actually we've waited so long, <laughs> it's going to be a huge work of subtraction. As Kelsey and I are getting ready for our fall, our fall cleanup here, we're going to be hacking away at things. But my point is this, and the revelation that came to me after they shared that was, it was totally on this passage, and it was, why am I surprised that the major work, the most thing that God is doing is, he's subtracting from me. I should not be surprised that the thing that God is doing the most to me is pruning. And again, that's considering, you know, like, even during this whole sabbatical, you guys have journeyed with me through that, with us through that. I've never lost my connection to God. I was spending time with God. In other words, I was getting the water, the sun, I was in good soil. But this is what God was doing. He's taking away, subtracting, so that the best can come out. So my prayer for us today is that we interpret things correctly. We don't misinterpret hardship, loss, and uh, what other you know, negative things that happen in our lives. Not everything is God pruning. Of course, there are just demonic things that come at us, but a lot of what is happening is God pruning so that the best can come forth. Okay, so what does God prune? If you buy that, if you buy that, that the major thing God is doing is pruning, then we've got to just look at what, what he does. He prunes, obviously, sin and sinful motives of the heart, okay? Those should be pretty obvious to you as we're speaking about this. The Holy Spirit's already directing you what things need to go. I just want to share a little bit from Deuteronomy on this one. Our motives, God is after our motives because he wants them to be pure. I was just reading devotionally from Deuteronomy 29 this week. and Deuteronomy 29, I would say, from my non-academic, non-scholarly perspective, seems to me like the the climax of the whole Pentateuch, Matthew, I'm sorry, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, seems to come to this great climax in Deuteronomy 29, where Moses is telling all the people, here we are, we're about to cross in the promised land. He does blessings and curses, and then this is what he says in Deuteronomy 29. It, it just struck me. So he's giving warnings to them before they go into the promised land. Beware lest there be among you a man or a woman or a whole clan or a whole church, a whole tribe, whose heart is turning away today from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of those nations, right? What's your, your my problem is idolatry. There's things that promise everything but deliver nothing, as Andy Crouch would say. And we are after those, and they're in our hearts. Look what, look what Moses said. Beware, lest there be among you a root bearing poisonous or bitter fruit, one who, of course, this is not you, it's someone else, one who, when he hears the words of the sworn covenant, blesses himself in his heart, saying, I'll be safe, though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. This will lead to the sweeping away of moist and dry alike. Mm. I think this is Moses at his absolute best, right? Saying, warning, guys, we all have this tendency to say, I'll be okay. You know, I'm good. My little sin's over here. I'll just walk with it for a little bit, and it'll be okay. But what does he say? He says, dry and moist will be swept away alike. I take no pleasure in what I'm about to share, but as you know, Mars Hill Church is no more. Are you aware of that, what happened to Mars Hill? And um, so, Lord, we pray for Mark Driscoll that he gets to be restored and back in leadership. So all of the Mars Hill churches in, in Seattle that are kind of satellite churches, they've got decisions. Are they going to be on their own? Are they going to you know, reform, they can disband. But I would hearken to say 
there were probably safe places, these places in Mark's heart. You know, it's come to the light that Mark Driscoll is just is kind of a nasty character behind the scenes and was uh, inappropriately dealt with church funds, things like that. A little place, I'm not the judge, by the way. God's the judge, just to be clear, on my motive and my heart and what I'm sharing. But just an example of, he might say, bless my own heart. I'm going to walk in the stubbornness of my heart here, but it should be okay. But the fruit of that eventually comes forth. Dry and moist, all got swept away. Mars Hill, it just got swept away. A thriving church communicating to millions just a year ago now is in a real different spot. We pray for them to get back on their feet. We pray for the redemption of the Lord. But hear what I'm saying? It matters when we hide our little places. And that's exactly where God's coming after you. Because <laughs> he loves you, okay? And he doesn't want you to, he doesn't want the dry and moist, he doesn't want the whole kit and caboodle to be swept away. He wants to preserve and restore. The true climax then comes, Deuteronomy 29, 29. He says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. This is amazing. But the things that are revealed, you know, here God's been revealing Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. He's just revealing his heart. He says, the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. Why? So we can have a good church service. No, why has he revealed secret things to us? Or, you know, secret things, there's mysteries that belong to God, but then he reveals some of what he wants to to us. And why? So that we may... Someone out there, so that we may do all the words of the law. He wants us to do all the words of the law. He's coming after us with shears, but he's the best vine dresser in the whole world. There's no one more loving, no one more kind. Okay, so he's going after sin. He's going after uh, those, you know, places of idolatry. The harder one is he's going to, you know, those places where we bear fruit and then God wants to cut it off so it can do even more fruit to much fruit. And I will speed this up. Uh, he, um, he gets after those margin stealers and he gets after those things that are good but are not the best. I think a great example of this is Jesus in Mark 1. Uh, if you read the gospel, Mark 1, Jesus heals a whole bunch of people late at night. And then um, he gets up early to spend time with the Lord and then the whole village kind of comes back to him. And, you know, they're all ready for more, right? But Jesus, having spent time with the Father, said, let's go from here because this is why I've come. In other words, if Jesus was just responding to the people, he would be like, oh, okay, let's do more healing. Let, let, me, let me continue healing all these people also. But somewhere in there, there was a, a pruning and a realization. Jesus had spoke with the Father and said, I'm here to go to these other villages. So that means... There might be a whole bunch of sick people who don't get healed. But I'm moving on because of what God told me to do. Because I'm going for best, not just good. Amen? Is that one. Connection with the king, it's everything. Let me conclude with two um, general ideas here too. Because I'm looking at our hour. Thank you, Lord. Okay, so why is connection with the king everything? And this will just grab directly from the scripture. Why is connection with the king everything? Well, as you see in the scriptures, a couple of things. You'll bear fruit. Okay? You, you abiding in Jesus through obedience and love, you're going to bear more fruit. Connection with the king is everything because your prayer life will rock. Right? You, let's, let's throw up verse 7. I want to know who in this room actually believes verse 7. I had to wrestle with Jesus when I saw this verse. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I want to tell a little story on that. Last Friday... Friday's the day where Kelsey works all day, and I'm home with the kids all day. 
And the backstory here is I've been struggling with how do, we, how do I best train my kids up in the fear of the Lord? So I, you know, my flesh starts to go to, let's find all the resources we have. And we've got this kid's Bible and this thing. Let me find all that. And at the breakfast table, well, do something, you know, high speed, anxiety, ah, oh, worry. My kids are, you know, calm down. I abide in Jesus. Jesus, what are you saying? How can I best, just in this day, on this one day, train my kids in the Lord? I felt like he spoke a psalm. So we opened that psalm. I said, J.D., Hannah, why don't you color um, whatever you get from this psalm, something about the Lord's in the storm and he's quiet and all this great stuff, imagery. So they draw from this psalm. And then I said, as I'm calming down, just abiding in Jesus, saying, Jesus, what should we do next? I said, all right, let's just do this. Let's wait on the Lord together and see what else God wants to show my five and my three-year-old. Actually, she was two years old on that day. And let's just see what God wants to say to them. So we said, Jesus, please show us something else about who you are. And very quickly, J.D. says, I feel like God told me that he's as hot as the sun and as cold as the ice. I said, that's awesome. That's God's so cool. Hannah opens her eyes, and Hannah says to me, verbatim, God told me that Imri is at Annie's house. Okay, so Imri is the Muckley's little girl. Annie is not her mom, okay? So she's just saying that, you know, she, Hannah just said, remember, she's two years old and 350, whatever. She's almost three. But she, that's what she said. She said, God told me that Imri, this girlfriend of hers, is at Imri's house. I said, really? You know, as the hair on the back of my neck is sticking up. Well, let's find out. So I text Annie. I said, Annie, is Emory at your house right now? She said, sure enough, Emory had just left the house. Like, you know, because ba- Annie had been babysitting her. And for me, that was just, the lesson here was for me of my unbelief. And like, can I believe God? When, when I, those moments when I have a choice of, am I just going to do my thing? Or will I just kind of fold into Jesus, abide in him, hear what he has to say, and will he show up? I think the answer is yes. My two-year-old daughter just nailed me on that one. We can believe God in so many ways. Amen? So why, why, do, why do we connect with the king? Um, because your prayer life will rock. It says the father will be glorified. That may sound theological and not real, but I'm telling you that really satisfies this transcendent peace in you that's longing to glorify the father. You'll prove yourself to be a follower of Jesus even more than if you vote Republican. <laughs> so, just kidding. I'm trying to see who's still here today. <clears throat> okay. You'll prove yourself to be a follower of Jesus. And of course, as we said, verse 11, you'll have more joy and you're going to be the happiest when you're bearing fruit you're meant to bear with Jesus. Finally, how? how do I, if connecting with the king is everything, how do I do it? And um, again, this is awful that we're breezing by this because it's like, how do we do this? Let me try to summarize and cut and let me prune my own message right now, actually. Just do this. And um, <clears throat> get out the essential real quick. You know what's awesome about the Old Testament? The Old Testament has a lot of ways that point us to what abiding with Jesus can look like. In the Old Testament, believers were to wear the law actually on their head. They marked the law on doorposts. When the Israelites came into the promised land, they were to set up a whole bunch of stones and plaster them and have the whole law written on them. Do you know how huge that must have been? I read that verse and I just started to think, you know, have you ever seen the Vietnam War Memorial? It's just sprawling. And I just thought, that plaster thing with all the words of the law on it, they wanted right there, that's big. But it just helps them abide, right? They had them rehearse the curses and blessings. They got half the nation on this hill, 
half the nation on this hill, and they just shouted blessing and curses to each other. So they just remind themselves about one another. All these things point to a spiritual reality of us abiding in Jesus. So I guess I'd say, man, do what you need to do to get in his presence. But we get great lessons from someone like this monk from France from the Middle Ages. His name is Brother Lawrence. And Brother Lawrence, uh, I think, is still in our training school curriculum. He um, has a book called The Practice of the Presence of God. So this is from, like, you know, a thousand years ago. He's a little cook in a monastery in France. And this is what he says. He's writing a letter to someone explaining how he experiences God. And he says this. He, God, does not ask much of us. Merely a thought of him from time to time. A little act of adoration. Sometimes to ask for his grace. Sometimes to offer him your sufferings. At other times to thank him for the graces, past and present, he has bestowed on you. In the midst of your troubles, to take solace in him as often as you can. Isn't that good? Abiding in him isn't, let me just feel good all the time in Jesus. It's in the midst of your troubles, to take solace in him as often as you can. Lift up your heart to him during your meals and in company. The least little remembrance will always be the most pleasing to him. One need not cry out very loudly. He is nearer to us than we think. God is nearer to you than you think. And in fact, by this passage, he's wanting to live inside you and stay there, never to leave. Connection with the king is everything. I'm going to ask Jenna to come up and the team. And as she does that, let me reiterate, abiding in Jesus is the only way for you to have kingdom impact. And in fact, your kingdom impact will correspond directly with the quality of your abiding with Jesus. It's not a function of your personality or even your effort in a strange way. It's just you're connecting to the source. We're going to begin responding by staying seated, and Jenna's going to sing over us a song called Cut. And what I would invite you to do is we just invite the Holy Spirit to show you where is it that he is needing to cut away. For some of you, it may be a dead branch or diseased branch that is, in fact, a sin or something marked by idolatry. You know, you're staying connected to something because you feel like it gives life, but actually it leaves you empty. For some of you, it may be a very healthy bloom. It might be like, whoa, I have this kind of ministry. It seems like it's going well, but God, it's yours anyways. Maybe there's a, that kind of pruning that God wants to do. So, Holy Spirit, it's because you love us. Father, it's because you're the good vine dresser. It's because you want maximum impact and real convergence in each one of our lives that you come at us with the pruning shears. Lord, thank you that you've designed this life such that connection with the King is everything. And what a good word that is for the Western church. We actually don't need more resources. We need to give more away. We actually don't need more activity. We don't need really more. uh, There's a lot we don't need more of. But Lord, what we need is we need a connection to Jesus. Connection to the King is everything. And so Holy Spirit, lead us now in this posture of surrender where truly we say, vine dresser, come, have at us. Show us the dead branches, the sick branches. Show us the good branches that need to be hacked off to make way for best, we pray. Let's remain seated as we connect with the Lord.
under your blade as you carve out your image in me you cut to the core but still you want more as you carefully tenderly ravage me and you peel back the bark and tear me apart to get to the heart of one matters the most I'm cold and I'm scared as your love lays me bare but in the shaping of my soul the cut makes me As you widow my kingdom away But I see that you suffer too Making me new for the blade of love It cuts both ways And you peel back the bark And tear me Oh, in the shade. 